0: Good morning again, I need to grab something, I'll be right back, well I love sports and so it was fun to have a sports theme at VBS this year, Uh, made it easy on me, Um, I had a bunch of professional baseball hats, I didn't have to go out and buy some goofy cowboy a hat or something like that, I actually own one from years past in VBS, but you know what I mean. Uh, and so today, I'm just going to carry the analogy further than the people that wrote the VBS curriculum probably meant for it to be carried, and I'm just going to talk all about baseball, because I like baseball, and how baseball really teaches this Bible verse that we looked at with your kids all week, and uh, and this is how that verse starts. Second Peter 1, 3. You should know this from the song, kids. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I was thinking about power and I was thinking about sports. And there's something magnificent about the first game you ever go to. I think I got this pennant right here uh, at my very, very first baseball game. I hate the angels now, um, but this hung on my wall. I'm sorry, I heard in awe, uh, go Mariners. But uh, this hung on my wall forever as a kid. I have this picture of me, it's a disgrace. All decked out in angels gear from, I mean, literally like red sweatpants, a jersey, a red helmet, probably an angels glove, everything. And, uh, and if you've ever, if you've been to a professional baseball game and, and who can remember the first time that they went to a professional baseball game, can you remember that? When you walk in and you see the lights and the field and the smells, there's something electric about it. And if you've never been to a professional baseball game, you probably think, I hate watching baseball, but that's because you've never been to a professional baseball game. Uh, It is the sport that you want to watch live. You just take it all in like that. And as I thought about God's power, I thought about that that baseball field moment where you've seen it, I've seen it in kids, like you take that step out and it's like, whoa. And we've lost a little bit of that whoa when we think about God. When we think about God, we think of like a high school baseball stadium. I said I was going to take the metaphor way too far. Like we don't think about God in the grand terms that he deserves to be thought about in. We've minimized him in a lot of ways, but when we look at a baseball field or uh, one of the most magnificent natural things I've ever seen, Zion National Park, when we look at those Things it, it should cause us to go, wow, about God, not about the thing themselves, because He is He's really the creator. And what this verse says, and hopefully this your kids already know this, but it says, that same power that's like more powerful than a stadium that's lit up at night has has equipped people. It's given us everything we need for a godly life life. Now, this word godly life, I don't know if you're all church people or whatever, but but it's an interesting term because, because I think a lot of people, when they think of a godly life, all they think about is a series, a set of rules that they must follow. When you, maybe you, think about a godly life, you think of the things that you can't do in order to be obedient to God, to follow the Bible, all of those things. But Jesus said this incredible thing when he walked around on earth. And and I think it's, it's more in line with what Peter means when he, when he says godly life. This is what Jesus says in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Listen to this. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or abundantly as other translations say That's something we all want, right? Like you may not want a set of rules that you have to follow. I'm not a rules person. Uh, I went to Corbin University in Salem and my freshman year, they actually had a curfew and and I graduated from high school and I didn't have a curfew. And then the idea of having a curfew in the dorms was so ridiculous to me that I just didn't live on campus ever. Like there's just no way I was gonna follow some stupid rule that I didn't need to have in my life. I'm not really a rules person. And the idea of, of having the power to obey rules Okay, that's great. But I like the idea of an abundant life because I want that. Uh, even if I don't know what it means, I'm like, yeah, I want a life that's full and good and, and awesome and every other description you could put in there. And, and this word, this phrase, godly life, it means so much that we actually want and and what this verse says is in essence god's incredible power has equipped you to have a life really that i think that i think you want and so i just want to use a few more objects to talk about what a, a godly life is in the bible And this first story is real, I promise. My dad is not here this morning, or else he would verify this story, but uh, I think my second year playing baseball, so the year after T-ball, which for us meant a pitching machine, we were coming to the game, my dad and I, and one of us had to go to the bathroom, and so we stopped in the outhouse, and my team was white that year. Uh, And so we go into the outhouse, my dad's holding my hat, and then he drops my hat, and it's one of those slow motion moments, right? You see it propelling down towards the blue water. And my dad, being maybe 25 years old, I have a very, uh, very young parents. Uh, my dad, being 25 years old, is like, hey, there's no poop in there yet, let's grab it. And this is not the actual hat, but it came out looking something like this. Blue on one side, you know the blue water, and still white in certain parts. My dad grabs the hat, the game starts in 10 minutes. He's like don't tell your grandma, but wear it. And so I played one of my first ever baseball games with a half blue hat, just like this one right here. Real story, uh, real story. And, and this, this, is, this is what has happened to us in this world. We do things that God doesn't like. We do things that we don't like for crying out loud, right? Like we all do things that we wish we could take back, that we wish we could get in a time machine and redo, start over, try again. We've said things to our spouses. We've said things to our brothers and sisters. We've done things that we'll never tell anybody because we regret them so much. And really, all it is is just, you know, a hat that probably has some poop chunks on it. That's life, and what a godly life first and foremost means is that Jesus has given us an opportunity for the hat of our life to be washed clean. And, and what we believe as Christians, and, and I hope you know this already, I hope your kids definitely learned this this week, is... That, that what Christianity is all about is this idea that, that God stepped out of heaven in the form of Jesus. He lived perfectly. His hat was always white and then he died on a cross for our sins. He died in our place so that we didn't have to pay the punishment and then he came back to life. And if we come to believe in that and then say, Jesus, I'll give you my life, then he, then he washes us clean. Uh, we, we can have our white hat back. But then when we... When we've had our sins cleaned, there's this, this other thing that's part of a godly life that I think we all like, and and that's that really God gives us the ability to defend against certain things. This is my T-ball mitt. Um, my family keeps everything, like literally everything. If you want to know what I got on my first grade report card, you can just call me. I'll go look it up. Uh, it's terrible for storage, but it is really good for sermon illustration. So this is my T-ball mitt right here, and and when you when you play baseball, you need one. Uh, In fact, we have a guy on our, our our church has a slow pitch softball team and he's now tried to accidentally catch two balls with just his hand and it really hurts. And uh, and we thought he broke his finger once and it's no good. And uh, the mitt is a really important piece of equipment because it it keeps your face safe, right? (laughs) And defense is a big part of life. There are just certain things that we want to avoid. We know that, right? Like, you don't want to yell at your brother or sister or spouse. You don't want to be a jerk to your coworkers. And, and so much of life is just fighting against these temptations. And what Jesus tells us, what the Bible tells us, is that part of the godly life that God will empower us for is simply defending against the bad stuff that we don't want to do anyway. You can think of the thing that you struggle with, the thing that you're addicted to, the problem that you have that you just can't get rid of. And, and what the Bible tells us, what God tells us through his word is that, that when you become a Christian, he gives you a glove and says, hey, that stuff still exists. But I'm giving you a weapon in, in order to protect yourself against it. But that's not all. Because God also gives us the ability to go on Offense. Uh, He gives us a bat, right? And can you imagine trying to go up to the plate without a bat in your hands? That wouldn't work very well. Uh, Back when I was a little kid, there were some kids that were so short that they would just crouch down and hope to walk. Do you remember? Did you play with that kid? I feel like everybody played with that kid. And the coach is yelling, don't swing, don't swing. That would have been my dad actually yelling at kids, don't swing, while the parents got mad at him. But what the Bible says is, Michael's laughing like it was him. Um, (laughs) What the Bible tells us is that when we become Christians, when we give our lives to God, that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit comes into our life. And, and and it doesn't just give us the ability to defend against the things that we don't want to happen. It also gives us the ability to do and be the things that we want to do and be. I mean, it's called the fruit of the Spirit in the Bible. And it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, what God does for us as Christians is he allows for us to be more loving, to be more joyful, to have peace that transcends all of our problems and and the things that we worry and stress about, to be more patient, to be more kind, to be better. Uh, And this is an incredible promise. A lot of people are trying to hit without a bat and it just doesn't work. I wanna be more loving, I'm just gonna try harder. You need the tool to be able to make that happen. Oh, but there's more. I've kind of alluded to this, but uh, a relationship with God, there's so much about a relationship with God that I think we just underestimate. I mean, one is simply protection. Uh, I'm not going to put it on because it's real tight, but uh, God, for one thing, just protects us. And we know this life is hard, right? I mean, it seems like hardly a year goes by that my wife and I don't deal with some type of, you know, family tragedy, something very difficult, something that takes a long time to get over. And being a Christian doesn't take that stuff away. It just keeps coming. But in a lot of ways, it, it protects you from what those things can do to you. Uh, my wife and I would tell you that, that in the bad years, we still maintain a good relationship. We still have hope. We still feel like at the end of the day, we're gonna be all right only because of our relationship with God. Uh, there's uh, this this test score that, that some psychologists have created that, that in essence say how difficult your childhood was. And uh, it's out of 12, you just go down this list and, and see what, how, how scarred you are, how much you need counseling. <laughs> and, and I'm a 10 out of 12. And so I don't, I don't just say this for no reason. I, I'm a 10 out of 12. I could tell you all about my childhood. I've been through just about uh, everything in some way or another. And I can look at you in the eyes and say, From the time I was a little kid, I could see that, man, it seems like the balls are just coming at me, but God is the one that's making it okay at the end of the day. Goes beyond that. I mean, I think about baseball, and uh, I'm a pretty competitive guy, and, and now I just kind of get frustrated and a little bit angry, not as angry as I used to. But when I was a kid, it meant if we lost a tournament, uh, I'd cry out in the outfield until the sprinklers came on. That's a real story. And, and, and I think about my dad just coming and, and coming into the outfield and comforting me and, and also teaching me, right? Like, hey, stop crying. This isn't what you do after you lose. I'm here for you, but let's think of a different way to approach this. And that's, that's a relationship with God. He protects us, he walks beside us, he takes care of us, he comforts us, all of these things that I think each and every one of us want. And then, and then there's this other thing, and this is the thing that maybe you know about Christianity, but, but he promises Christians that they're gonna win. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we get the trophy if we're on Jesus' team. Uh, we get to go to heaven, we get to look forward to an eternity of of victory, and in, in fact, as a competitive person, I really like that the Bible describes it in these terms. It talks about a crown, which is referring to a, a runner or an athlete getting a crown of victory. It talks about heaven in these terms. And it talks about how Jesus offers us the eternal victory. When we die or when Jesus comes back to get us, if we are on God's side, we can know that we will be victorious. I love that idea. You see, as, as Christians, this promise that God's power has equipped us is not just like, hey, you can, you can have a godly life, you can avoid some stuff, and that's it. It means we can avoid some stuff, we can do some things we couldn't do before. It means we're protected and provided for and comforted. It means that, that we have the ability to defend against certain things. It means that we'll be victorious, and, and, and really, and this is the most important, it means that our sins have been forgiven. That's incredible, That's incredible. And then Peter says, okay, how do you get that? I mean, this promise, is it for everybody or is it for somebody? Well, this is what Peter says. He says in 2 Peter 1, 3, this happens through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It comes as we learn that Jesus is the savior of the world. This idea of knowledge is not just like, oh, I kind of have this idea that Jesus existed that Jesus people say he died that people say he got out of the grave that people say he forgives sins it's this knowledge that it's more like belief I totally believe that Jesus is the one who can give me all of that because of what he did on the cross and in return for him doing that I offer him my life and say I will become your follower Jesus because I believe and I know what you did for me. And what's so cool about that is in sports, like, you get invited to a team because of your inerrant abilities, right? Like you've worked harder or you just are more athletic or whatever. And we had this skit this week with uh, Chuck Matt right there. Uh, and and Chuck, who's sitting here in the front row, Chuck's not his real name, but it was in the skit. He got picked dead last for a team and he was really sad about it. Thankfully, I was there to console him. And, and we all know that moment, right? Like, not getting picked is a terrible feeling. Uh, fifth grade, I tried out for this national uh, traveling basketball team, and I didn't, I didn't make it. I was an alternate, and uh, I ended up going. So I don't know if a kid got sick or hurt or whatever. I didn't care. I was real happy about it. But, um, <laughs> but I didn't make the team, and, and it was all I heard was, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. I carried that with me. I ended up playing that coach my senior year of high school, and I wanted nothing more than to destroy that team because it hurt so badly when I was a fifth grader that he said, you're not good enough. You know, I mean, if you're a sports person, like you've not got a job before, you've had a friend not call you when they're hanging out, and you just feel it, right? And, and what's so cool about, about Christianity is that we believe that we have been, this word here, called we've been chosen not because we're better or because we've done anything differently but because of God's incredible what it says here glory and goodness I I think about this this is one of my all-star jerseys Um, It's so cool to be able to get a jersey when you've earned it Uh, I hope all of you felt something to that effect because it's a great feeling like I it's the opposite right like I am good enough And what the Christian story is, is not I'm good enough, but that God is so incredible. He's so glorious and good. He is so much better and more awesome than you and I. And he is so morally perfect. That's what Peter's saying. That despite the fact that our hats are just filled up with blue stuff and a little bit of brown thrown in, despite all of that, God says, hey, I want you on my team. All you have to do is come to a knowledge of me. And then he gives us the Jersey and he equips us to live a godly life. Uh, I have this thing that hangs on my wall, this was my dad's motivational piece at one point, but uh, in Notre Dame's locker room, there's this sign, you may have seen it in the movie, Rudy, it says play like a champion today, and they all hit it at every Notre Dame game as they run out, we did that on one of my all-star teams, and uh, I have this, uh, I have a a printout of that sign that hangs in my office every day, it says play like a champion today, because frankly, I want to live an incredible life, I hope that all of you want to live an incredible life, and what this verse says is that the way to live, like a champion? Is to live in the power of God with the equipment that He provides, and so I hope. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk. I got one more minute here, but this is what my hope is for you. My hope is this: if you're, if you're not a Christian, you ought to consider it. Whether you're a kid or you're an adult. Uh, whatever stage of life you're in, no matter how much you've chosen in the past to reject Christianity or how open you've been to it but just never really thought about it much, you need to become a Christian because you're not gonna live an abundant life. You're not gonna live a godly life. You're not gonna live a championship life apart from giving your life to Jesus. But if you are, if you are a Christian already, this is my encouragement for today, you've been equipped. You've been equipped. And I know a lot of Christians that are living like they don't have the tools for a successful life. They're up there crouched down saying, I'm not gonna swig. (laughs) And it's just not a good way to live. If you're a Christian, remember that God's power that's brighter than any lights of any stadium on earth has equipped you. And if you're equipped, you can live a championship level life. And so go out and live it. Let me pray that you'll just, you'll do just that. Lord Jesus. I thank you for coming to earth to die for our sins. I thank you for the incredible love that you have offered us, that, that you've, you've called us, God. and You've offered us the ability to come to the knowledge of you so that we might live a godly life, a life that I think every person wants to live, whether they've recognized that in themselves or not. And I pray, God, for people here that don't know you, that don't have a relationship with you, that have not accepted you as their savior, I pray that they would. And I pray, God, for those of us that have, and I pray, God, that we would, we would begin every day with the mentality that we will play like champions because we understand how much you've given us. I pray these things in your name, Jesus.